Welcome everyone to In The Loop. What is up everybody? My name is Michael Burpo. Thanks again for listening to In The Loop. This week we have Alex Brown, VP of Operations at the Smithy Group, talking with Chadi and Matt all about how digital marketing has changed in recent years. And actually digital marketing is kind of changing every day or even every week. And staying up on those changes is part of our job so that we're giving you the best advice and also helping your digital presence stay on top of the game. It's a really fun talk and I really hope you enjoy. Thanks everybody. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's favorite website platform. Whether you're looking for better e-commerce performance, business growth, or campaigns that drive traffic and sales, Punchmark's website and marketing services were made just for you. It's never too late to transform your business with a user-friendly, point-of-sale integrated website platform designed for growth and results. Sign up for your free trial demo at punchmark.com. This episode is brought to you by The Smithy Group, a digital growth agency that helps leaders and businesses dream bigger and achieve multi-generational integrity. Through insights and intelligence, digital marketing, and advertising solutions, we help businesses expand their reach, grow their revenue, and make an impact. TSG has helped hundreds of businesses surpass their goals and believe that whatever your business, whatever your story, we will make it matter to your audience. And now, back to the show. Welcome to another episode of In The Loop. I'm Alex Brown, the VP of Operations here at the Smithy Group. And uh, in partnership with Punchmark, we're so excited to bring you another episode talking all about marketing and the jewelry industry and how this can really impact your business. So today we're actually talking about the changes that have happened in digital marketing over the last five years. And uh, for us who works very heavily in the digital marketing space, we know that it changes actually almost on a daily basis. And so there's a lot to to break down in the changes and shifts and evolution that digital marketing has gone through over the last five years. And I'm really excited to have with me Chadi, uh, the creative director here at the Smithy Group, and also Matt, our media strategist here at TSG, uh, to chat about some of these changes and what they've seen in both their departments over the course of their career and over the course of the last uh, year or so. Uh, so welcome, Chadi and Matt. Awesome. Stoked to be, to be here. All right. So Matt and Chadi, I'm excited to dig into today's topic. I think there's going to be a lot for us to unpack and uh, talk about. Chadi, let's start with you. You've actually been in the game. You've been in the digital marketing and branding space for 20 plus years. What has been some of the biggest changes and even challenges that you've seen in your career from day one when you entered into this space to what you are seeing it evolve into now? Yeah, well, I mean, when I was, when I first started in all this, I mean, E- uh, mailers were still a thing, right? <laughs> you know, mailers still worked, and uh, we used those. Uh, websites were just—I I mean, to get a, your domain name was not hard mm-hmm. because nobody was on the internet. And I think that you look at the scope of everything and how it's changed from out of home and physical print pieces to where now, if you're not in a digital touch point, you're dead. Mm. And so it's it's definitely changed. It's changed the type of options we have. It's changed uh, within social media. You know, social media used to be a place for friends and family to connect. And now, uh, oh my gosh, it's it's the giant. 
if you don't have an influencer influencing uh, what you're doing, if you are not um, navigating uh, the social media sphere, then again, you're kind of dead in the water. Uh, websites were completely different. Security kind of didn't matter back in the day. It was more like, can you just get the website up as quickly as possible? And um, But now we're navigating one of the biggest things, which for me, it's uh, the, this next generation, this Gen Z, this mobile first generation is what it's called. And so everything has shifted to what it looks like, what it feels like on a mobile sphere. Mm. And for me, I think that's the biggest shift that has happened over, the, for me, the last 10 years. Um, you know, went from flip phone to that sidekick right. to, to now it's everybody and their mother, little kids have phones mm -hmm. and everything is mobile. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because I've seen that shift as well uh, through the years of, you know, only in high school did I start using the internet to explore and, and yeah. develop and didn't get a phone until I kind of left high school. Yeah. But Matt, you're our resident Gen Z sitting around oh. the table right now. Yeah. What's that experience been like for you just even as a consumer of always constantly having something? at your fingertips to be able to purchase, to buy, and that now that you're kind of in your uh, in the consumer buying sphere, what how does marketing impact you in that way? Well, I mean, growing up, I was on that cusp of being in high school. I had a flip phone. Mm -hmm. um, the way I was marketed to when I was much younger was pretty much through traditional TV commercials. Right. And yeah. once I got to high school, that's when it's like we all had our smartphones, whether yeah. it was a Galaxy or an iPhone. And then to Chadi's point, social media became the pretty much only way we would consume information. Yeah. I mean, the average person's screen time is consumed strictly by their phone now. So, I mean, it's unavoidable, right? Um, so from a consumer perspective, I mean, that's where I get all my information, whether mm -hmm. it's on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Yeah. Um, that's my digital sphere. Yeah. Know, that's wow. my digital ecosystem. That's all I've really known. Yeah. How do you, so how do we as marketers make sure that we're getting both audiences, the ones that are very used to having everything at their fingertips, but also the audience that have had to learn that space and actually step into it. So you've got people who didn't grow up with it and they're used to seeing the TV ads or the billboards or things like that and getting their information that way. But how do we reach those people and make sure that we're speaking to them on digital space as well? Because they are there. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. I know my yeah. grandparents are, yeah. my, you know, my, my parents are so because they're there how do we speak to them specifically and then how do we also make sure that we're we're reaching the audience who are used to it and and are tangibly grabbing at it as well it's uh, it's about who you're trying to speak to so yeah, to your definitely. point there's the tech savvy consumer and then the consumer that they almost need to be served mm -hmm. yeah yeah right it needs to be more apparent so we talk about how digital advertising has changed over the last five years and the options yeah that we have so um, I mean, when I first started using the internet, and like Google, for example, Google advertising, it really just started with Google search ads. Mm -hmm. The only Google ad options were the ads that would show up on the search engine results page. And then you got Google Display, and then you got YouTube pre-roll that came after. Um, but like right now, if I'm trying to market to somebody who's not tech savvy and they don't necessarily pick up on, let's say, trends, if you're trying to market based on like TikTok advertising or trend-based, there's Google shopping, mm -hmm. right? They're yeah. literally the product ads that will show up in the left-hand or right-hand column of a Google search results page. So you're reaching people that aren't on social media. They're just doing a simple Google search and they'll get an advertisement for a pair of boots or a yeah. belt on the left-hand side. It doesn't take a lot of savvy to understand what you're actually looking at and to click on that item and see that ultimate conversion. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. a lot more apparent. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think designers have had to get um, really smart and how they design mm -hmm. and uh, I think we went through a season where 
trendy art was kind of the key and designers forgot that they were meant to bring solutions instead of being really trendy and timeless and um and i think i've seen the shift as you saw it a couple years ago with minimalism and Mm -hmm. the way that the way social media shifted things the way that these all these ads shifted things and people had to get really smart with how they design Mm -hmm. and i think that again understanding you said it or one of you just said it about understanding your demographic and knowing Mm -hmm. who you're speaking to i think smart design is really the key for a lot of it is knowing who you're talking to and then how to be able to explain it to them. Mm, and being able to target those different audiences 100%. within those. Yeah. Um, so we've talked really high level of like how marketing has changed, but let's talk a little bit more granular of like the last five years in particular and how digital marketing has shifted because you even kind of alluded to it just then between like Google ads versus social yeah. and even how they've gotten smarter over the years. So let's, let's hear a little bit more about those changes and and what businesses really need to be aware when we're on those platforms and spaces? Oh man, I think you have to know which which space does what. Yeah, I think some the question that I usually get asked is like, well, what is the difference between Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, or what's why do I have to do a Google ad instead of just a Facebook ad? And I mean, I'm, I'm sure Matt can speak to this way more intelligently than I could, but I think that you have to know your demographic. You have to know what platform you're using and how to use it. And I think in this new age of the digital sphere is what we're calling it. You have to know what your tools are, Mm -hmm. you know? I think as the digital space grows, the strategy grows or the depth of strategy grows. So if you're creating a media strategy five years ago, it's what platform do I want to be on? And that's it. Do I want to advertise on Google? Do I want to advertise on Facebook? Or do I want to advertise on Instagram? Because there were only like, I think two ad variations. Yeah, omni-channel approach was not a thing. Yeah, like you just had to decide where you wanted to run your ad. So my point uh, that I mentioned earlier, the only type of ad you could run was on the search Mm -hmm. engine results page, right? So if I want to advertise on Google, I know I'm going to run search engine results ads. But now it's like, okay, I want to advertise on Facebook and I want to advertise on Instagram. What are those ads going to look like? Are we going to do a single image? Are we going to do a carousel? Like the carousel in theory, is actually relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to run collection ads? Do we want to run lookbook ads? Do we want to do an instant experience on Facebook? Mm-hmm. And then that also speaks to, okay, who are we actually trying to advertise to? Yeah. Is a lookbook going to speak to that 40-year-old audience that we're trying to sell nasal ointment to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's all about like the objective and how many options there are within that platform. Mm-hmm. What platform are we advertising on? So as the digital space grows, media strategy grows, and the amount of decisions that you actually have to make are increasing. And the more in the know you are, the easier it is to form that media strategy. Yeah. But um, it's just really understanding what your overall objective is. Yeah, strategy. So, I, I mean, I've seen this as we've grown as a company over the last five years, but strategy for the digital space has like, it changes all the time. Like we are constantly updating our strategies and our thesis in terms of digital marketing, because I mean, when we started one of our main strategies, one of our core evergreen strategies was to boost posts. That just doesn't cut it anymore. Like that doesn't bring at all all the returns. So being able to see the shifts and the changes and make sure that our strategies are updated. And like to even see to your point, like collection ads or carousel ads are actually relatively new. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we understand who's going to respond to them, how the the design works for them, because that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's so different either way. So understanding the analytics, understanding the why behind it. Um, understanding why you have to be at the top of feed. Uh, I think that people look at their analytics and they look at the, the sh- so that we, they can actually build the right strategy around it. I think that's, I don't think that people look at their insights enough yeah. and see what's the best time to post, what's the best, it, just 
boosting, like you said, boosting posts, that's so old school. Yeah. It's, it doesn't sound like it would be old school, yeah. but it is so old school compared to if you don't have a robust strategy around what you post, how you post, when you post, who you're posting to, how you post it. And it's, mm-hmm. there's so much to it that I feel like mm-hmm. people are missing. Because we're not just talking about paid strategy not here. We're talking about the organic strategy 100%. as well, which comes so much into like the design and what you yeah. do as, as well. When, you know, I think people used to utilize posts to, you know, someone somewhere else, which is still relevant, but actually a way to look at your feed now and at TSG, we've always been big kind of against the vanity metrics. Like it actually doesn't matter how many likes you get. It's yep. it's more about like, is someone engagement, clicking, yeah. engaging, mm-hmm. is someone commenting, is someone clicking your post? Because I know personally, I follow a bunch of brands, but I never like their posts, no. but I might save their posts. Yeah. I might click on the link that's attached to their post. That saving posts is so underrated. Exactly. If, yeah. if it changes things. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, these people, they've shared it yeah. 15 times. Yeah. Like who did they share it to? What exactly. Is, and you'll just start to see people going to the website, then the it, product's starting to get, it's just, it changes everything. Yeah. Everyone used to live on the likes, yeah. but that really now in the nowadays, it's so much. It's different. really not yeah. the, the space. And so what your page, what your profile can actually be now is like an extension of your website mm-hmm. because people are going to go and explore. They're not just going to look at the latest posts. They're going to look at like posts down the line and what you have to say and what you're doing and the behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. So it's really about not just the pretty content that you can put out there, but a real strategic approach to everything about what your brand is. Yeah. Personality definitely matters now. Yeah. Now people don't just, they'll Google you and then they'll go to your Twitter and see how you sound. Uh, Are you funny? Are you, where's your personality? Like I think of the Wendy's Twitter. Yes. And how (laughs) Wendy's will always put it to Burger King and everybody else. And they set the bar. They set the bar. And it's like, it's so stupid. They sell hamburgers, but I love their Twitter. Yeah. And it makes me go, oh, like I'll remember things like, oh, they're doing breakfast now. I don't even eat Wendy's, but I'll be like, oh, look, just because of how their personality is, it, it, to me, it sets it above. It creates the that buzz, and yes. people are talking about yeah. it. And what's well, that human brand, right? Yes. Like it's making the the corporate brand more human. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see that shift over the past yeah. year, whereas smaller brands used to want to create like um, that Super professionalism personal. and like make it more corporate. Now it's the opposite way. Corporate brands are becoming more personal, personal, and wanting to be more independent. Like so, I think that's really interesting, particularly as we're talking to an audience that uh, are probably mostly made up of independent. Yeah. that use that to your advantage. Like you have a huge opportunity to market yourself right now as an independent. Now, I am interested to hear a little bit more about, I mean, we're talking about the last five years of changes, but actually even just within the last sure. like year, gosh, the last week, Instagram has oh. changed. Like, so we're going to dive in a little bit more about like the more recent changes, but we're just going to take a quick break to hear more from Punchmark. Hey everyone, make sure to register for the Punchmark Workshop. The workshop will be held here in Charlotte from May 2nd to May 3rd. We will cover such topics as site manager, digital marketing, e-commerce strategy and preparation, and you'll have the opportunity to have roundtables with other Punchmark users and more. We will also have speakers from Punchmark Partners. This workshop will be limited to 60 attendees, so please register before it fills up. We hope to see everyone there. If you have any questions, please reach out to Jason at jason at punchmark.com or you can call 704-910-4774 extension 301. All right, um, 
we're super excited about the Punchmark Conference. Uh, we can't wait to hear all about it and see all you guys there. We are back. I've got uh, Matt and Chadi with me uh, from TSG, and we are talking all about the digital marketing landscape and how it's changed in recent years. And I'm really excited to jump into this part of the conversation because we're talking about changes over the last five years, but actually, like, it changes so frequently that even in the last year, we are adapting our strategies and changing so quickly. Matt, this is really where you're leaning into a lot of stuff in our strategies right at the moment is uh, with data collection because we know all the privacy updates lately, all the issues with data breaches and things like that have made people um, quite concerned about how they're being tracked online, where they're being tracked. Uh, You can now opt out to tracking, uh, which is an interesting feature. It's always interesting to go to shows and conferences and see how many people are actually putting up their hands to say they've opted out. Me personally, I've opted in because that's, you know, if I'm going to get served ads anyway. I want them to be relevant to me. Also, that's my research these days is I just go onto Google, I type one thing and then I hope it pops up on Instagram and it saves me a lot of effort. (laughs) So like that, I just, you know, you use the system right back. But I understand that people have those concerns about um, data and privacy and tracking and things like that. So when it comes to our strategies, how are we getting around that and how can people really um, be still leveraging and targeting the audiences they need to target, even if people are opting out of tracking? So there's a few things that have taken place over the past, I'd say, year and a half. There's the iOS 14.5 update, which allows people to opt out of tracking on an app-by-app basis. Um, The elimination of third-party cookies, which... uh, essentially eliminates like retargeting on Google. And through this, we're seeing lower reach rates, lower impression rates, um, and all of our media strategy is based on the data that we collect from our campaigns. And these restrictions are essentially the elimination of data that we're getting back. So it makes it a little bit tougher for us to see how fruitful our campaigns are because a lot of the data is skewed that we're getting back. How many people are we actually reaching? What kind of data are we getting back from them? Um, So in order to stay ahead of the curve, we're implementing TSG Smart Advertising, which is essentially the utilization of pre-existing data. So what we're doing is we're taking our clients' existing uh, contact lists, that could be Mm -hmm. emails, first name, last name, email. Uh, We're uploading them into a proprietary targeting system uh, that essentially allows us to retarget those users based on their maids, those their mobile advertising IDs. And I know what I'm saying right now is (laughs) pretty much jargon to somebody that's not in the marketing space, Mm -hmm. but What this ultimately allows us to do is target people that have still opted out of iOS 14.5 tracking. Um, This is going to allow us to circumnavigate the third-party cookie restrictions. What it allows us to do is actually take their data and run it through the system and see what they actually look like. What is their affinity for their arts and culture? What are their buying habits? What are their spending habits? What's their income bracket? What are the brands that they um, typically interact with on social media? And based on this information, we can actually deliver contextualized advertising. Yeah. So that could be delivering a New York Yankees-based ad to somebody like me who's following the Yankees on a daily basis. So yeah. if I'm served an ad that has a New York Yankees undertone, I'm more likely to click on that <laughs> than just a generic advertisement that's served to the general population. So what we're seeing is a higher click-through rate, a higher engagement rate and ultimately a higher ROI because you're spending your ad dollars more wisely. Um, you're targeting people that are more likely to engage with your content. That's ultimately going to lead to, once again, the higher ROI. So, I mean, the interesting thing for that as marketers and then as pe- as with working with our clients, everyone's really excited about this because mm-hmm. as you can 
as you said, like we're serving contextualized ads. So we're really engaging with the people who are going to really like the product that we're serving up. Talk through a little bit about the privacy of that and the the restrictions that we have in place, because I don't want people to feel like this is a, a overstep if they've, you know, opted out of tracking. And then this is kind of like a way to get around that. Sure. But it's actually um, the privacy that's set up with these uh, third party data companies is actually really solid. And I mean, for one example, no, even when you're tracking your maids, it's not, we don't know anyone's actual details or names. We just know the the profile that they have. We don't know their first name, yeah. last name, or their email. Yeah. Your maid, your mobile advertising ID, if you have a cell phone in your pocket, you have a maid. Yeah. Right. So that just allows us to target your specific cell phone, your specific maid with contextualized ads. Yeah. We don't have your information. And any of those contacts that we upload into the system, um, that's all private. Yeah. Um, it's not used for any other purpose other yeah. than. And, and like, I mean, honestly, it is a way to serve people ads that are actually going to be relevant to them, that are effective, that are going to be something that both the consumer wants to see, but also the possibility of a sale through it is it it doesn't feel like spam. Exactly. So, I mean, to me, it's a win-win all around. Yeah, exactly. And then if you have great creative and branding behind it that actually really speaks to that person, then it's actually a really exciting way to uh, receive information and to receive kind of marketing. Um, I just think the opt-out system is so like, I'm like you where I opt into it. No, I opt out. Because like... (laughs) But by me opting out, like I'm still going to be served the same amount of yeah, ads yeah, on a daily true. basis. There's yeah. just true. ads that I, I click on ads all the time and I yeah. make purchases yeah. on Instagram yeah. all the time. Really? I'd rather, yeah, of course. Like I bought a pair of shoes off Instagram yeah. the other day. And it was one of those ads where like it was obviously based on what I had been Googling yeah. earlier in the day. Actually, this is a similar to what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gen Z mobile. Yeah. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. And I'd rather be served. In, and it was a deal too. Yeah. Specific well, that's a, that's the thing too. When you retarget it, sometimes mm-hmm. you get like those additional deals and stuff so like that. I'd yeah. rather get that than like an advertisement for yeah. Windex. Yeah, you know, something yeah. random. Exactly. I don't know. You're not washing any windows lately. No, my purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <That's awesome. laughs> so, let's talk more about um, Chuddy. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on um, literally last week we. The following in the chronological. Instagram. Instagram came up with a whole new update. We're sitting around the table as a team and we're like, okay, let's figure this out. What does this mean? What is it like? How do we utilize it? As a user, it's taken me a hot second to kind of get my head around it. Even like it kind of almost feels like Instagram's a little bit too much now. Like there's too much going on. It's trying to be too much. But how can we best utilize it in a way that as users – we're getting the most out of it, but as marketers, even more importantly, strategically, what what are we doing? I feel like Anthony Bridgerton said it better. It's the bane of my existence, but the object of all my desires. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I hate you, Instagram, but yeah. I love you, Instagram. Yes. Yeah. First, it's the algorithm, and then mm-hmm. they took the chronological feed away. And, then and everyone's been crying about that for years. Everyone's been crying about that for years, and then we had to shift of how how creative is done you can't use text and then you're supposed to use text and now you have to use carousels and now don't wait not too many text instagram will kick your carousel now we need more videos now everything is reels and no wait actually no you do it it's overwhelming sometimes i can't imagine how an independent company who's who's just trying to get their instagram up and running would have to contend with all that 
But um, I say that when you navigate those things, you navigate them, you navigate them in a way that is not overwhelming for your team and just take it one step at a time. So if we know that it's made these changes to, you know, it's a Chronicle feed or it's a favorite, I just think that you just explain it to your demographic with ease and with clarity um, and and the way that works for you, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it'll probably change again next week. Yeah. Well, no. it does feel a little like they're beta testing at the yeah. moment. And and if it, for those of you who may not know what we're actually talking about, but Instagram has brought back the chronological feed, but it looks a little different. And you can actually yeah. select at the top. So you when you go into Instagram, you have your regular uh, feed as it has been mm -hmm. of like just things showing up for in With most popular order. things you want to see. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can actually switch it to... Um, Favorites. Well, there's following Favorites and, and following, yeah. yeah. So if you switch it to your following feed, it actually shows up a chronological order of the people that you're following, which is basically a chronological feed of the original feed that you've yes. seen and then <laughs> so you, much. and then if you follow your favorites you've got to go in and select your favorites so in theory for me who I like seeing posts from different brands and things but I don't necessarily like their posts or engage in their posts with comments and things but with my friends I do so they would go into my favorites and I'd just go into that feed and I'd really spend time engaging yeah. and, and following up there I haven't done my favorites yet. I haven't had time to sit and like go through that. I but say because right now you're a ghost follower. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a ghost follower. Yeah. But I, I don't think I'm alone in that. No, I think most of the world is a ghost follower. Right. So this is why it's important not to go too deep into those vanity yeah. metrics. It's more about like who's seeing, like who's how many people, it. who's saving it, it. who's, yeah. who's, who's, uh, who are you reaching, things like that. But how can small businesses yeah beat that system because there's a frustration there, right? Like as a small business and, and particularly the jewelry industry who really who we're talking to right now, there's, you want to be able to show up on people's feeds, but how do we produce content? How do we produce something that is so engaging that we have our followers going, I want to favorite them yeah. and I want to know everything that they're posting. You have to know who's following you. Mm -hmm. I think you have to know who's following you because then you'll know what kind of images you need to take. I think that it's important to know that the people that are now on social media are moved more by emotion. Mm -hmm. That we, we're, we're following a generation that uh, lives off of want and not off of need. Yeah. And so a lot of the advertising now is more emotional. Yeah. And so know what type of pictures that move people and also know your brand really well. You know, I'm a, you know, you know this, I'm a big proponent of understanding your brand and brand equity and, and knowing your voice and knowing your messaging. And I think if you really truly know who you are, you'll be able to explain who you are to the right audience. Mm -hmm. And I think brand recognition and uh, being able to really uh, share your own story yeah. online is really important. Yeah. Um, because then people won't feel even whether Instagram changes or whatever shifts they make, you don't change. You're steady. Yeah. And then people know they can just count on you for great imagery, great messaging. They know that they can count on you to be able that you're the steady in all of it. Yeah. And I think that's what people definitely are looking at in this season is finding steady. Yeah, that's really good. And a lot of our small retailers, I feel like they shouldn't think that they have to compete with like the no, big not at brands. All. I think that they should be focusing on their community. Yes. Building 100%. up that following in their community. Like I think of like brand like 
Bird's Coffee in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying to beat out no. Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, but they do an awesome job speaking to New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah. And building a brand within. It's because they know who they are. They know awesome what their voice is. Yeah. Social media presence and they're like reshares. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it on a daily basis. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they know their market and mm-hmm. who they're speaking to, and they also know their place. Yes. In the market. Yeah. There's a place to have fun on social as well. And, you know, we were talking about Wendy's and, you know, how they joke a lot too. I think, especially within the the luxury space, we we tend to veer towards being, you know, polished and cut and not to use too many diamond and gemstone terms. But but really, like, we kind of want to present ourselves as, like, really refined. But actually, there's a great space for us to have a lot of fun. Utilize TikTok, do the stupid dances, have fun with them. Um, People are moved by that. Exactly. They'll remember remember that you are the, oh, man, have you seen their TikTok? They'll remember who you are because of that. Exactly. And it brings in that human aspect again. It brings in that human brand of, you know, show more behind the scenes. Show um, team. Show the team. team. Do highlights with personalities on your team. Yeah. All, all those things that humanize your business yeah. cause people to remember your business. Yeah, 100%. And then when they walk in the door, they're experiencing yes. that as well. Mm-hmm. And they know who those team members are and they feel like they already connect, have a connection mm-hmm. with them. So that's what's going to make people want to favorite you as well 100%. and make sure that you're in their feed because they're going to want to show that content. The other thing I would suggest with that um, is education. So make sure that you are showing your expertise in that space because people love learning. There's a whole space on TikTok about like information and learning. And I just spent way too long yesterday on it when I could have been doing, you know, something way more productive, but it just goes to show the power of it of like, I'm actually learning. I'm learning a bunch of stuff here on TikTok uh, or on Reels. So utilize that because people will want to learn from you as well. Yeah, I think people would be, I think you'd be shocked how many people really want to know more about your business. Yeah. More about what you do and why you do it and how you do it. Yeah. And uh, it causes people to want to to be part of it. Yeah. It's been really interesting for me stepping into a company that works within the jewelry industry because uh, my background is actually within the fashion industry. And so I knew... I knew fashion. I knew the fashion industry as a whole. And I think in my brain, I just kind of incorporated jewelry within that. But actually to see jewelry as its whole own industry and learn so much about it and the behind the scenes and what goes into like the mining and, you know, the cuts and all, you know, all these things. I think there's a real opportunity to not just, you know, talk about the top level stuff like the four C's. Like, yes, the four C's are important. Yes. But people can get that anywhere. What can you bring with your expertise to the table in this space that people are going to really want to engage with you and learn from you and experience what you have to experience? So uh, I just really encourage people to just step beyond that 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 front level because people don't know this outside the industry. People don't know this stuff, and so but it's so fascinating and so interesting. Yeah, I, I'm new to the to the sphere of jewelry as well, and I think one of the things that uh, shifted my thinking was being on the ground, uh, you know, and learning more about why they made certain pieces and how, how there's so many different jewelers making these beautiful custom pieces. And I didn't realize as a person mm-hmm. who was outside of the jewelry yep. world for so long and going, this is incredible. Yeah. I actually want to find somebody who, who can customize this. And, you know, I wear my grandmother's ring from yeah. the 1950s. And so hearing all about like why it is the way that it is and how the diamonds are set. I learned so much about vintage pieces that now I'm obsessed with vintage yeah. pieces. Exactly. And there's, I think that there's so many stories mm-hmm. and things to be said about the independent mm-hmm. that are getting lost 
in the in the bigness. Yeah. You know, I think of Starbucks right now. Now they're starting to ask everybody's name because they oh have you haven't seen this you'll go into a like i'll go through a drive-thru and they'll be like oh what's your name i'm tom and i'm like no no you can't be the local person don't ask me my name you're starbucks now they've seen that personalizing that bringing people yeah. close that telling them the stories that's what people want yeah and it's so like just tell the stories yeah. ask people their name and be exactly who you are because i believe that that's what's going to bypass the instagram algorithms yeah. and pe people are going to favor you and they're yeah. going to stick around that's why i think a lot of the jewelers nowadays they also like that clean presence yeah that clean sleek presence on instagram and facebook but i think i i personally love those gritty yeah bench photos oh man yeah get yeah. messy show the behind the scenes see yeah. that way they kind of see where the uh mm -hmm. but even the, the stories behind the pieces what goes yeah into it. yeah um, I think that those pieces really speak to the average consumer. Yeah, 100%. agreed. I, and this is really, what we're talking about now is really how digital marketing has changed yeah. because it used to be about that, you know, that one post or that polished and cut, um, you know, dream life or whatever it is. But now it's really about the realness of it and the stories behind yeah. it and how you can tell those stories. So whether you're putting pay behind it or whether it's your organic, I think that's a that's a great space to, to land on uh, to wrap up this conversation because uh, that's how digital marketing has changed is mm -hmm. how we tell the brand stories mm -hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Is there any last things that you guys would like to add to, to throw some wisdom out there? Uh, I mean, just going back to TSG's impact thesis, mm -hmm. No matter how much digital marketing changes, it's always important to be trustworthy. Yes. Like you're always going to have these so options. Yeah. Um, you're always going to have different platforms in yeah. which to speak on. But as long as the content that you're putting out there is trustworthy, yeah. you're going to see a return on that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I agree with you. I think authenticity is key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think people just want to know who you are so that they can uh, represent you. Yeah. So tell the stories, be authentic in that, and people will trust you because you know your stuff. I think that's really great. Well, Chadi, Matt, thank you so much for your wisdom today. Thank you for being with us. Um, I think there's a lot to unpack here, and, I mean, we only really just scraped the surface. So if anyone has any questions about what we talked about today, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can DM us on Instagram at the Smithy Group or send us an email, hello at thesmithygroup.com. Uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions that you have or, or any comments that you have. Um, we're really glad that you're listening to us today and uh, make sure to stick around, subscribe to In The Loop. You can check out next week's episode as well. And we're in our third season now. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, information and episodes previously that will, um, you know, really help you expand your, your marketing and your digital landscape. We're so glad that you're listening to us today and we'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, remember to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and try subscribing on Spotify. It really helps us grow. New episodes in your subscription box every Tuesday. Thanks again. Talk to you next week.